Hey everybody, before we jump into today's podcast, I wanted to let you know that we'll be giving away two passes to the Indo Expo trade show in Denver this January 26th and 27th on behalf of Artisan Seed Shop. This full-spectrum cannabis event showcases hundreds of companies representing equipment, lighting, nutrients, lifestyle, legal, packaging, labeling, security, and so much more. So stay tuned to the podcast, check us out on social media, or visit canna-today.com to find out how you can win two passes to the Indo Expo trade show in Denver, courtesy of Artisan Seed Shop. Now let's get started with the podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Cannabis Today podcast. I'm Steve Blank. In Cannabis Today, the Israeli parliament passed an amendment regarding the exporting of medical cannabis from Israel. As a result, Israel is likely poised to be a top-earning global hub in the cannabis industry. Here in the U.S., Georgia lawmakers are preparing to consider bills allowing for the sale and cultivation of medical marijuana. Join the conversation and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Canna.today for the full stories. On this edition of the Cannabis Today podcast, I'm joined by Tyler Kriz of Artisan Seed Shop. Hey, Tyler, thanks again for making the time to join us on the podcast. How's your day treating you so far? Good so far. Good so far. Glad to, uh, glad to join you on here, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Now, Tyler, before we really start talking shop, would you take a minute to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Tyler Chris, and I currently uh, represent Artisan Seed Shop, and uh, we're a U.S.-based seed bank out of the West Coast in Seattle. And uh, we have a really good offering of genetics available from a great network of U.S.-based breeders that we've been able to curate over our time in the industry. Um, And our whole concept is bringing together what we have recognized and have identified as some of the leaders in the industry um, and going to make their lines readily available to patients commercial growers, or just, you know, collectors in general. And so um, I've been spending my time um, in the industry over the last five to ten years uh, cataloging genetics, uh, learning about genetics, going back to the beginnings of where, you know, the polyhybridization started and figuring out, you know, great-grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers and great-great-grandmothers of strains and starting to kind of tailor my knowledge base um, from just a, a standpoint of where things came from. And our goal as a, seed, as a seed bank is to be more a resource center than, distri- than just a distribution outlet. And so um, I grew up um, in the Midwest in Iowa. Uh, which was obviously a zero-tolerance part of the country. So it was cannabis was something that was, you know, intrigued me but wasn't really anything that I partook of as a youngster. But one thing that really intrigued me was the whole genetic background of the plant. I saw, you know, the big book of buds and other print materials that put this plant in such a very, you know, awe and jaw-dropping kind of situation that started to break down this whole bad persona that it had been given in my area. So long story short, um, went through high school, went through college, um, had an opportunity to uh, join with a, a franchise and help that franchise get to the West Coast 
And we then had an opportunity, my wife and I, to kind of get out of that industry, out of the food service industry, and get involved in a couple other things. And that is where my uh, headfirst dive into the cannabis world started. Um, started helping farms in Washington and other parts of the country start to acquire their genetic portfolios um, and help them start to build breeding programs and things like that. And uh, helped out a couple of other groups get their banks up and running, um, acquire new breeders, uh, establish and development of trade show protocols and things like that. And going on almost a year ago, uh, Artisan Seed Shop came back. Um, it had previously been in existence under some prior owners, uh, but due to some uh, opportunities, those owners had closed Artisan down. And myself and my team had an opportunity to revive the brand and uh, kind of get things back to up and running again. And so that's what we've done. We've brought on additional breeders from when the bank originally started. Um, and from that, uh, we continuously look to add to our portfolio and thoroughly vet any of the brands that we align ourselves with, um, predicated on the fact that we back everything that we sell. And I can't back a breeder who doesn't back their product um, because our goal is to make sure that patients or the end user is not only happy with what they're getting or growing, but it's something that they actually need to be growing. Um, so I think that encompasses the whole resource center aspect as opposed to a distribution center aspect. Awesome, awesome. Now, Tyler, particularly within breeding and genetics within the cannabis industry, it's becoming increasingly difficult to tell who's who. How are home growers, how are the owners and managers of commercial grow operations to differentiate between brands at this point? Um, well, I think it goes back to a, um, a sense of trust and a sense of transparency. And, you know, I'm all, I've also, I also am a purchaser of products online, whether it be in our industry or non-related products, where the whole process of buying things on the Internet is a trust-based process. And the number one thing that you should be looking at is when you're doing business online or face-to-face -face or just with genetics in general is, you know, where do these genetics come from? Uh, there, there is a little bit of a deference and a disagreement in the industry about, you know, what it takes to be a breeder or, you know, how uh, the process on creating strains. But if you are a grower who is looking to acquire quality genetics, it's best to do a little bit of background on who created these genetics. And traditionally, if it's a well-vetted breeder or someone who has put out a good amount of work in producing these lines, there's going to be some sort of history to it. There's going to be a story. So-and-so acquired this strain and crossed it to this strain. Um, and so one of the number one things you want to look for is transparency, is am I buying really what I'm buying? And so uh, asking questions up front to breeders, uh, trying to communicate with them face-to-face -face is always a great thing. Um, we also have people that 
send breeders messages to ask if we're, you know, a vetted resource. Hey, I'm looking up this seed bank. Um, you know, do are, have you sold to them before? So you can go as far as verifying from the source if this individual or this seed bank or distribution entity actually has validated stock. And from that point on, it's, it's then feeling out that group to see if that's the group that you want to do business with. And traditionally, what we try to do is put forth a family first and kind of family feel with our business that, uh, that people have seen us at events. They've communicated us with through social media, communicated through emails, um, or just other, you know, just passings where they know our face. And um, we have really, really found that people will continue to do business and will be feel good about the business that they're doing um, when they know who's receiving said payment. Um, you know, credit cards are a way to pay through our industry with only a few outlets right now, but a lot of it is based around cash, money orders, or other, you know, online money transfers. And some of those come with protection, but some of them don't. And so when you're looking for a source for genetics, it's best to know that the genetics that you are looking for are real and that they are coming from a validated source who also stands behind their product. So those would be some very good tips and ideas that I would tell the consumer to, to watch out for um, when buying genetics. If, you know, if there's no story, there's no protection, there's no background, and they don't stand behind their product, it may not necessarily be something that you may want to bring into your garden. It could potentially have problems. Um, but what we're going to do as an organization is up front to vet those things so you, when coming to Artisan Seed Shop, can rest assured that we wouldn't have anything featured in our portfolio that ourselves wouldn't putting in our garden. So we sell what we grow and stand behind the breeders that we distribute. Tyler, would you tell us about some of the hurdles, some of the obstacles that you have faced or are facing or may face in the future specific to doing business in the cannabis industry? Um, predominantly, it's just understanding that each state and in some cases each county has different rules. And what may be allowed, what may be permitted or permissible in this state or county Right next door to it, it may not be allowed. And so the ability to continually have a team that's either trying to find this information or being on email lists or communication boards that this information is coming to us, um, granted, it may come in some 400-page email that we, we have to run through filters and try to figure out exactly what's for us, but you know, one big hurdle is just understanding the legality of what you're doing um, because you never want to sign yourself up, your, you know, your employees, or, you know, you just don't want any headaches. And, um, you know, for instance, we've gone to events where we have been allowed to get a booth, pay to get there, market ourselves. The event has marketed us as a seed bank. Come and get your genetics. And then we show up and then we're told that we can't sell seeds. 
So those are those are hurdles that 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 we face. Um, we do not sell a THC product, but there's still, you know, an interpretation at an ele- at many levels that if the person who's in charge doesn't quite understand or has interpreted some piece of information incorrectly, it's still what they say goes. And so that's also sometimes you have to bite your lip and put your tail between your legs and, and you know, live to play another day and know that, you know, we can educate these people um, on the back end, but screaming and yelling at them and creating, you know, this big issue here at this event isn't going to do anybody, a, you know, a bit of good. So one big issue is that, is the legality, and then then on top of that, the interpretation of those legislative measures, you know, by the bodies that have been placed to govern them. So that would be one thing. Um, I'd also say one unique thing that we face is, um, you know, is just getting things to getting things to places. You know, we deal with the mail, and uh, you know, and in, in, in shipping and things like that. So. Um, granted, when what we are shipping is a completely legal item because it's shipped as a con- uh, collectible souvenir, hemp seed, and, you know, predicated on where it's being shipped to, you may even have even more protection if you're a patient and it's coming to you in that realm. So um, I guess shipping is another thing that we deal with because, you know, once we pack it up and tag it, it's out of our hands. And, you know, it's now in the hands of another entity that obviously it's their core competency to get you your item, but it's a stressor. It's a stressor in, in, you know, in in our business and in other people's lives because you're now relying on a third party to to fulfill your order. And so, um, you know, between those two things, uh, I really think that that those are kind of the the two biggest, the two biggest items. Um, It's just a... Understanding the legal landscape of where you are and where you are doing business, um, and then also understanding the nuances of facilitating an online resource center that distributes through the mail and having to, you know, take your bumps and bruises with that as well. Awesome insights, Tyler. Talk to me a little bit about your transition from the corporate world to the cannabis industry. So I would say that uh, it would have been about seven years ago is when I made the seven or eight years ago is when I kind of made the turn from corporate America slash uh, food service industry into the cannabis industry. Um, And for me, it was a it was an easy transfer. Um, I was either in management or ownership in my prior roles. And so what I was then able to do is take my visions within the cannabis industry and kind of m- and mold them with a feel of corporate structure, but not necessarily the rigidness of a corporate entity. And so what that's allowed my wife and I to do is to take all of the great things about corporate America, the structure, the scalability, the, you know, the marketing plans and things that are viable no matter what you're doing or whatever message you have. And we're, what we've been able to do is kind of tailor our business into something that we would be proud to work for. 
And so um, over the last five to, you know, five to seven years, what we've been doing is looking at the industry and identifying areas where we feel that our niche is lacking in. And most of that is transparent customer service, um, a product with a message, and reliability um, were kind of the, you know, the key terms on things that we were finding that were, that were really lacking. Um, and so what we what our goal is, is to bring everything that we have been able to curate in our prior endeavors, plus bringing everything that we have encountered in the cannabis realm and being able to, you know, openly identify where we can blend these two realms together and really get a program that is palatable for both sides of the coin. You know, if you're a corporate person and don't really know too much about cannabis, but you can respect and understand the fact of having a very organized business that has good numbers, that pays their taxes on time, is in good standing with the community that they're involved with, that may be what you really give a damn about. But on the other side, if you're that grower, you may just really care about that you get your product on time, you don't have any issues with germination, your emails are responded to in a timely manner, and you know, and if, if there ever was an issue that you were taken care of in a way that you feel was fair. And so that's kind of what we're, we're, our goal is to do is looking at it from both sides of the coin and then collectively adapting our message, um, to, to kind of cover that broad, that broad stroke. But, uh, but also being able to individualize our message as far down to just specific strains, specific emails from customers, patients, or just commercial facilities who say, hey, this is what I've got, and I need help. And how about on a more personal level? What was the transition from corporate to cannabis-like specific to your friends and your family? I am, you know, a person who has both sides of the coin kind of covered. I have a very religious family on my mother's side and my father where I thought that they were going to be staunchly opposed. And when I told them what I was doing and educated them on what I was doing, why I was doing it, and kind of helped start to break down a lot of the reasons that they had been told it was so bad and started to show them data so my dad's a numbers guy, data-driven. So, you know, when I started to show him analytical proof that, hey, you know, this works for people and this is just a – this is where – this is a giant hole in our country and our world and our society right now where I think hemp and cannabis really, really can, can benefit our, you know, our globe. And he's like, well, let's talk about it a little bit more. So I was able to kind of warm my father up to it and also my mother. And they actually kind of came around and have supported me in it 100%. Um, one thing I really wanted to get was my grandmother's approval um, before she passed. And uh, I was definitely able to get that. 
and was able to uh, get her a few products that really helped her, you know, better her life towards the end. So that was another great thing that I was able to to have happen for me is some of the family who I didn't necessarily think would be so keen on it were some of the ones who actually needed it the most. And so what I've been able to do is um, kind of use that message to help other people who have other family members who may not necessarily be so keen on it. Because on the other side, I have some in-laws who definitely are not as warm to it. Um, They would still consider it a drug or, you know, they're just really have built this wall of anti-cannabis, anti-weed. And so uh, the discussion has been brought up that this is what I do. Um, This is what I help with. This is, this is, you know, this is what I like. And um, it really, you know, it was kind of a harder discussion. And uh, so it really wasn't, you know, met with 100% of acceptance from the other side. But, um, but truthfully, it is what it is. And, you know, I have friends who are not involved in cannabis who have jobs that their parents don't like what they do. Um, and so I just think that, you know, no matter what industry that you're in, um, you may, you may have parents, you may have family members or friends who just don't understand what you do, like what you do, or some people just don't care what you do. Um, and so for me, uh, it was, you know, a little bit of a, of a, of a ramp up to kind of also get the courage to tell, to tell people that this is what I do and be proud of what I do. Um, so I think once you get over that hurdle of, you know, fright or not necessarily an embarrassment, but just, you know, you're tentative. Um, because you always want to be proud of what you're doing and you also want your family to always be proud of what you're doing. So, so for me, it was a little bit of a ramp up, but once I kind of got that gumption and a little bit of that fervor in my heart to, to know what I was doing was good product and, and a good purpose, that kind of pushed me over the edge and I really haven't looked back since. Tyler, cannabis brands have their hands tied when it comes to advertising on popular platforms like Facebook and Instagram. As a result, many are turning to trade shows and exhibitions as a marketing resource. In such a rapidly developing industry, how does Artisan decide which trade shows, which exhibitions and cannabis events are worth its time and money? Traditionally, it may take you going to one. And I will tell you, and if anyone tells you any differently, then they are lying. Not every show that you think is going to be a winner is a winner. And some shows that you go to just hoping to make an impact can wow you because, you know, it's it's about the clientele. And why are they there? What's the purpose that they're there for? That's one thing that I always try to understand is, why is this event happening? Is this a bong-a-thon? Is this a dab-a-thon? Is this just for people to come out and get free joints and pre-rolls and throw stuff from the stage? Or is this a grower, you know, oriented event, an industry oriented event where you're going to be, 
rubbing shoulders with industry professionals, growers, um, you know, people of a higher level of understanding of the plant in general. So um, what you have to do is understand that you don't need to be at every event. And that's one thing that is hard for a lot of companies to, to grasp is you don't need to be at every event. But being at events, like I mentioned, that really have a, a cohesive message, tie, tie that to a specific clientele, and that message bleeds through 100%. So what you have to do is pretty much vet them, look up the event, how long have they been in existence, what was the attendance like last year, you know. Um, another big thing about it is your booth positioning is most people just say, hey, give me a booth, and, and you may be back in the back, back corner with turn to the left, and no one has any damn idea where you are. But if you would have just taken the time to look at the floor, floor plan and assess a better booth space, you may have touched, you know, many more people. So um, it's vetting the, vetting this show as best you can. But also it sometimes takes going to a show and realizing that, hey, this wasn't a good one for us or this was a good one for us. Um, and then also being able to ask the organizers upfront questions. And I've also found that events that will not give you information up front and allow you to plan and forecast traditionally don't have that information and aren't events that really pay dividends on the back end. It's more of, hey, I spent a few thousand dollars to come and tell people about me, but I probably could have had a much better traction or turnaround allocating that to a different marketing or a different, you know, traceable ad or something like that. But that's the best thing to do is openly communicate with the events that you're looking to go to. Look at the history of those events. Um, try to find, uh, you know, social media posts. That you can also look, go back and look at the history, find old posts online. Um, so that's what we do is was there traction? Is there good attendance? And what type of attendee will be at said show? Well said, Tyler. So what's the next cannabis industry event on your calendar? So you can find <laughs> us front and center. At the, we'll be uh, in Denver at the end of January at one of our favorite shows, the Indo Expo. Um, it's uh, it's going to have a lot of things there, uh, anything from your traditional large-scale equipment down to a booth like ours who are going to have some phenomenal genetics uh, and seed form available. Um so we'll have that. Um, Emerald Cup just wrapped up, which is also recognized as one of the country's best events. Uh, this was their first Emerald Cup since legalization. And so there were a little bit of changes, a little bit of hoops to jump through for people. But, uh, I mean, for sake of discussion, it went, went off pretty well. Uh, and so I just see, you know, as the horizons and states start to – open up doors to cannabis. There'll be more events, more gatherings of individuals. And uh, those are the types of interactions that we really like and thrive on. So, um, and one thing to add is 
we will be working um, with this group to uh, to do some giveaway for the Indo Expo. So uh, keep your eyes peeled and your ears open on how you may be able to uh, join us at the Indo Expo in Denver at the end of January. Right on. And so I know the Indo Expo trade show is industry only on Saturday, but it will open its doors to consumers as well as industry professionals on Sunday. Are you looking forward to any one day more so than the other? Uh, to be completely honest with you, I love I love all of the days. So traditionally, Saturday is for the people who have a list of items that they're trying to beat lines or, you know, have really a, a pinpointed product that they're look, looking to get, ask questions on, or things like that. So I don't uh, prefer one day or the other. I prefer, you know, being able to have the event. And so what I think you're going to see at Denver is, you know, the public comes the first day, um, but it's all kind of based around people's availability. Um, our goal is to have all of our items readily available each day. So no matter what day you're able to make it, something will be there for you that you'll be happy to get. Um, but, uh, but no, this will be a, uh, the Indo Expo is a, it's a great show and, uh, we definitely look forward to it. Um, also the one thing we really like about Denver is the tremendous amount of personal growth. Um, you know, we live in Washington State where right now the general public cannot grow plants. You as an adult cannot grow at home unless you have a medical card, which is on the state registry and opens you up for visitation. So uh, I also like going to states where I can talk to people about the, the plants they're growing in their basement, their backyard, or their closet. That really invigorates me. And, you know, I love looking at people's photos and just seeing them smile and, and be proud of things. That, that also helps me and, you know, lets me know that what I'm doing definitely serves a purpose for people. Well said, Tyler. So, hey, I know we're relatively limited on time together here today, but I'd like to take a minute to just open the floor to you and ask, what's on your mind? What were you hoping to get a chance to talk about during this podcast? Well, I would say I actually have maybe just uh, a couple of couple things. Um, Sure. One thing in general that I'm really psyched on is the farm bill. I think um, as long as as long as we don't screw the pooch with that thing, I think there is some really really good items within there that can be extrapolated on and can be, you know, really really developed into bringing hemp to the forefront, which between you and me is a bigger and much huger industry than cannabis is. Um, it is thousands of times more important and bigger than cannabis will ever be if we can really get behind hemp. Um, if you give a damn about the, the environment, you give a damn about, you know, low impact, high, high purpose, then hemp is definitely a product that you should be looking into and learning more about. So I'm really excited about the hemp bill um, and also, you know, the advancement of hemp for our country and our world. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I'm also really excited about, uh, a new breeder that we just are working with, um, called Roundtable Selections. It's a guy out of, uh, California who, you know, really been working things extremely, extremely hard, um, has similar lines and things that you would have seen in aficionados, 
genetics, but the price point is much more uh, fair for, you know, just as good, if not better, lines. So that's something that as a seed bank and as a brand, we're really, really excited on. Um, we're helping um, finalize the packing, packaging with those. So we're really getting something that will be very collectible visually, but also because of the genetics within said box, you know, are, are of the highest favor as well. So um, I'm, I'm also excited about Christmas, man. I mean, that's coming up here in a couple of days. I know I've got a couple of awesome things under the tree that I haven't managed to shake the hell out of yet. So um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to New Year's and just being able to spend a little bit of time with my daughter and my wife and just have some good quality fellowship with uh, some friends here in our area. Um, and, yeah, just kind of just relaxing a little bit before we hit the road hard in January and then kind of get back into the show show routine towards the beginning, uh, middle of next year. So, uh, um, yeah, that's what we're looking forward to. So kind of bottom line is, if you ever are out there on the show road and you happen to see a booth for Artisan Seed Shop or Archive Seed Bank, make sure you stop in, say hello to us. Have any questions, shoot them to us. Um, we're always have an open door and an open ear policy and would always love to uh, answer any questions that fellow growers or just people with general questions have. Awesome, Tyler. I really appreciate you making the time to join us here today on the Cannabis Today podcast. Before I cut you loose... I'd like to begin by promising you that this podcast will absolutely not be published until after Christmas. I'll follow by asking you which gifts or gift are you most excited to give this holiday season? Yeah, so, well, let's... Okay, I got a quick one. I've got one for my daughter. She really likes these little doll things, and I was able to find one that we had already thought was sold out and was able to find one that she thought she would never be able to get. And one thing that I'm really, really jazzed on to give my wife is I got, she's very likes astrology and stars. So I got a map of the stars of the day where we met. So they, they go back in time and they take pictures of the sky and I put the date, the time and the place where we met. And then they gave me a picture of all of the constellations and where they were. So then I'm going to I'm going to put that in a frame and kind of give that to her as a gift. Super, super cool, Tyler. Thanks for sharing. Hey, thanks again for being here. Uh, happy holidays to you and yours. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. No problem. Happy holidays, my friend. I'll talk with you later. For more information on Artisan Seed Shop, visit artisanseedshop.com. To leave comments, feedback, or join the podcast, visit canna-today.com. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever possible. I'm Steve Blank, and thanks again for listening to the Cannabis Today podcast.